0: Uh, First, I want to thank you for agreeing to do this interview uh, with us, Uh and I'm the Deputy Editor-in-Chief of the uh, newspaper, and I think we should just uh, get started. Okay. So my first question is, uh, what do you see as the biggest problem facing Illinois, and uh, how would you address these problems?
1: Well, without any question, the biggest problem is is that today, as you and I are speaking, we have $10 billion of unpaid bills. Right. And uh, the interest on that is $10 million a day. Uh, that's uh, an astronomic deficit uh, to being able to uh, have a budget that makes Illinois whole. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I recommend that we do is is that we take and pay all these bills by a bond program, and uh, we get uh, we start on a clean slate mm-hmm. and we put into the uh, FY eighteen budget, or FY nineteen budget uh, the uh, debt interest on those bonds and we put a principal payment in that budget that pays those bonds down in, in the term of office that I will serve, okay? okay. And uh, and that's how we begin to move the state of Illinois to what I call a solid financial base, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, we we cannot continue down the path that we are on if we uh, are going to improve higher education and, and better fund it, uh, and, and do what is is good for the uh, nature of the state of Illinois uh, by having all these outstanding bills. Right. It's the uh, greatest deficit on not being able to attract people to the state of Illinois, uh, attract business, or to, or to keep students here to go to school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is why that, I see that as our greatest, our greatest issue. And, uh, that's the most logical way to approach it. I have also laid out a progressive income tax model. Mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen this or not, but it is on my website. And yes. uh, it's a it's a model to review. Um, I'm not saying that it's perfect, but uh, it's the only model that anybody in the state of Illinois has put out that's got numbers to it. Uh, it's a model that I think is adaptable. That could generate uh, significant extra revenue, uh, and it, it closes the loopholes and asks everybody to pay some tax uh, to help Illinois uh, become more financially solvent.
0: Okay. And how long would it be before this model uh, takes place, would you say?
1: Well, you know, real, realistically, it's going to be 2021. Uh-huh. I'd like to see it uh, FY19. I was asked that question last night. Okay. But I don't see the legislature uh, moving forward on a progressive tax model in this session. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I don't mean to talk about um, other other individuals in the race, but Senator Biss continues to say he's been trying to do this for since 2010, and he hasn't been very successful. So I don't think <laughs> it's going to happen in this session as well. Okay? And uh, I think the key thing, as governor, uh, that's why I put the numbers out there, is because you can't keep talking about it if you're not going to put real numbers to it. Right. So the significance of my plan is, is that taxpayers can look at this, the general public can review it, legislators can review it and say, hey, you know, this is something that's really workable. This is a competitive tax model with neighboring states. It's less than Wisconsin. It's it's uh, equal to Missouri. It's less than Kentucky. Uh, You know, people can't say they're going to leave Illinois to go there because our taxes are too high.
0: Okay. Yeah. And uh, and that's how I developed the scale. Okay. And uh, my follow my follow up questions are 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 two questions. Um, How will this affect the different income levels, and will this impact college students' federal aid in any way?
1: Well, here here's what it will do. No, it will not infect their federal aid mm-hmm. in any way. The, the only thing it could do is it could ask college students to pay $250 of income tax. Okay. Because everybody's going to have to pay 1% of the base mm-hmm. if you have any earnings. If you have earnings over uh, $2,500, which is the stand, will be the standard exemption, you're going to owe at least $250 in taxes.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and that's
1: fair. I mean, yeah. Uh, this is what what I am talking about is the real issue in Illinois, and uh, the real issue in Illinois is is the reason we have deficit here is we are spending more than we're taking in, and and we uh, have too many people in the state of Illinois that pay no income tax, mm-hmm. zero, right. And and we everybody uses the roads, uh, bridges. Uh, people want to expand our infrastructure of broadband, which uh, I think is really something that's important. that has got to be addressed in the state of Illinois. We have an aging infrastructure of water lines and sewer lines and utilities, and we have no revenue to begin to fix our municipalities.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So um, I uh, uh, came up with this idea that I believe that we need to... Uh, also, ask the wealthy to pay more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we have uh, people, and it, and it's it's you know it's not right uh, that we have got uh, people who make millions of dollars in the state of Illinois that literally pay no income tax mm-hmm. because they invest it in in offshore uh, uh, investments, which gives them the opportunity to. Uh, uh, you know, skate through, skate through the system, and uh, and and live here uh, tax free. And it's not right. It's, right. it's not right for me. It's not right for any other middle class person in the state of Illinois. And you know, the 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 thing that I uh, think is really critical that we ask all gubernatorial candidates uh, on regards to this question because I fully disclose my income tax. Okay. Is, how much state income tax did you pay last year? Right. Okay, and and every gubernatorial candidate ought to be able to say how much state state income tax they've paid. If, if they can't answer that question, uh, they're not qualified to become governor. Okay. okay? I mean uh, that that's pretty basic. Can you answer the question?
0: Um. How much state
1: income tax did you pay last year? I paid uh, fifty three hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I mean, uh, if you don't know, you should be aware if you pay state taxes or not. But uh, we we that's why that's why we have ten billion dollars of unpaid bills, and we can't we can't you know we, we talk about free tuition for all mm-hmm. uh, college students. How how are we ever going to get there if we can't pay our bills? Right. You know. So this is the seriousness of of. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of pie in the sky, I call them ideas, and, uh, and there's a reality to the world, and I believe it's all possible. Mm-hmm. But it starts with getting on solid ground, and, and I have a plan to do it.
0: Okay. Thank you, and uh, I want to move on to my next okay. question. Um, sure. Can you explain what you mean uh, on your website, uh, restructuring categorical funding by demographics and need to allow flexibility in spending?
1: Is this for uh, education?
0: I think so. I, it's It's on your yeah. website.
1: Yeah, well, cate- categorical payments are payments like for transportation, special education, title programs, mm-hmm. uh, food service programs, uh, in, in, in school finance, okay? Yeah. so what what I, what I recommend that we uh, are able to do, is that um, uh, districts are given greater flexibility in the revenue that they get from the state? That the money's not isolated in silos. Mm-hmm. You get it? Yeah. If you're if you're short on money and if you got plenty of transportation money, and you're short on on funds to uh, let's say uh, uh, bring in an, an additional special ed teacher, mm-hmm. uh, you 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 could you could do that uh and we have some provisions on one-time transfers already uh where we're allowing uh school districts to do this mm-hmm. but uh we we need to empower school districts with the ability to have greater flexibility of their state resources
0: okay um and while we're on the topic of education uh here at, we here at St. Xavier uh care a lot about dreamers um mm-hmm. what ideas uh, can you do to help protect dreamers, and how do you plan on fighting the national government's threat to remove the DACA program?
1: Well, uh, I consistently say that I'm in support of Illinois being a sanctuary state. Right. And uh, I, I believe that, you know, we should help every individual who wants to become a citizen of the state of Illinois and a citizen of the United States to achieve that uh, dream. mm mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, uh, will do my diligence to help move citizenship forward for uh, everyone that's affected as governor. And and I think that this is something that is part of the part of the problem is, is that we're holding back citizenship of individuals that we should be entitling it to. Right. And and it's, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a, uh, a I'm going to put it very basic uh, and that it's a, it's a decision of the individual, you know, do you want to become a citizen of the United States? Yes. Well, then let's move forward with citizenship, but let's, let's allow you to become a citizen.
0: Okay, great, great. Uh, my next question, you have an extensive background in regional planning for residential yeah. and business development. Um, how would you help other communities that are underdeveloped?
1: Well, uh, I would uh, utilize the uh, expertise that I have in... Um, economic development by bringing together uh, planners,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, bringing together uh, individuals who are stakeholders in the community that want to expand uh, business growth and development uh, through uh, leadership initiatives like that I've been part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Southwestern Leadership Council, I think, is, is, a, is an excellent model. Uh, if, if you were to go to the Southwestern Leadership Council's website, and, and you look at the nature of the individuals who are involved in that, the movers and the shakers that, you know, uh, all collaborate together and, and their ideas, you know, grow on one another. And, and the ideas come forward, mm-hmm. you know I mean? About how we can do things, you know, uh, one, one person uh, uh, isn't, can't, can't be, uh, you know, the, the guru. I mean, uh, I was fortunate to be in a capacity where I really was able to facilitate things um, economically mm-hmm. because of, of a position I was on a county board, the wherewithal I had with uh, budgets. And uh, and I also, uh, you know, served as a very powerful position to be in chairman of planning and development as far as what I wanted to make sure got pushed through as an agenda item. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but, in, but that's, that's what you do, and that's what I would do as governor, is uh, bring these stakeholders of these areas together and, and really target as to what the resources that are needed and, and, and you, you know how, how we can and what we can really do to these economically deprived areas. Um, I'm involved in a project right now in Granite City on redeveloping okay. um, the, the downtown, and, and I opened, I'm just going to tell you this, we opened a Pearson View Testing Center, which is a public-private initiative. Okay, I'm, I'm a public entity uh, as a government, mm-hmm. and and we brought through there last year over 2,500 individuals that would have never been into that economic region uh, if that if that one one business would not have been operating. Now, you got to think about 2,500 people coming to an area that would have never came to that area. Now, what did they do? They bought gas, they bought coffee, they bought a bagel. Uh, you, you know, look at the impact that, that has on a region's economy. Sales tax, yeah. sales, support for local business, and that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in Inglewood two weeks ago. I did a Channel 26 sit down at a coffee shop.
0: Okay.
1: A beautiful example of a startup business in an economically deprived part of Chicago. Right and uh, uh, you know all the time that I was in there, I saw the different people that were coming in there, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that coffee shop uh, is op, was op, open to operate as a non for profit public development that was put on that was just to improve the uh, the economic uh, condition of that neighborhood, mm-hmm. and it's stuff like that 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 uh, uh local planning groups put forth and really begin to make neighborhoods and communities revive
0: yes yeah
1: and and that's that's what you have to do i mean i could go on and talk about this cuz i've i've been involved <laughs> with it since 2000 i've been i you know i've been doing it okay so uh you know we i did i did, I, I did this and worked on this as part of team illinois in uh 2003 and, and saw communities that did, couldn't even sell a gallon of gas have a quick Quick Mart in them, you know. Yeah. And and this is what, but it takes effort. It takes work. Uh, and uh, and that's what my Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity will do, and my Lieutenant Governor will will uh, spearhead this.
0: Great, great. Well, maybe I should go visit that coffee shop in Englewood. <laughs> Big yeah, fan it, of coffee. It
1: was. It's, I saw it on 63rd Street, I believe. I remember. Uh, if you if you go to my website. Yeah. Okay, at BobDiver.com, uh, or let me see, it's on my Facebook page, okay, excuse me. Okay. You go, you go to my Facebook page, Yes. and you'll, you sc- scroll down in the Facebook uh, uh, material that is easy to review, and you'll see the interview at the coffee shop
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, from Channel 26.
0: Uh, okay, I'll be sure to check that out later, thank you. Yeah, yeah. How do you plan on addressing gun violence uh, in the state, and more importantly, in the city of Chicago?
1: Well, um, you, you know, the Gun Dealers Licensure Act is paramount that we pass in the state of Illinois because it's going to help us stop illegal trafficking of guns.
0: Right. And
1: we have to give law enforcement the tools, such as what I'm describing, to get this under control because what's happening is it's the trafficking of guns that's making the gun violence continue to grow in our neighborhoods. Right. It's not people that have FOID cards. It's not people that have concealed carry permits. It's all the illegal guns that continue to come in in trunks of cars mm. from Indiana and Missouri and different places that are being sold um, to be, being sold in our streets, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And and this is this is what this is what we do. And, and then and then what has to happen is is that um, you, you know we we need to uh, initiate with our young people. What I'm doing. In Madison County, and that we need to mentor uh, these kids who are at risk to tell them the difference between right and wrong. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, it's not right to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you may think that's a wow, what a dumb, what a statement <laughs> for a guy running for governor to make. It's not right to kill somebody, right. but but in the street today, that's why there's so many kids shot. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like a no. You would say, well, that's a no-brainer. I, I mean, I know that, but, but that, but that's not that's not what goes on in the street. What goes on in the street is is that, you know, go wacky. Yeah. So and and then there's this question that I'm going to ask you. Well, who are you? You know, who have you shot? No you one you shot anybody. No. No. Well, well, what's your status? You know, you 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 got to at least shot somebody if you want status.
0: Yeah. All the uh, g- and, gang and, and, affiliation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. So, you know, kids have got to have someone that's mentoring them and tell them that, hey, hey, look, this isn't what you want to be. This isn't what you want to grow up to be. You're going to wind up dead just like them before you're 21 years of age. Yeah. But but in in the world that we're living in, you know, the idea is, is when you're 13, if you if you've got a gun. If they gave you a gun, you're somebody, right. and when they yeah. give you the gun, you know why they gave it to you they gave it to you to use yeah and, and that's that's what has to change mm-hmm. and and it's it's hard to talk about it, but what i'm I'm talking the truth it's the truth to power. Mm-hmm. We either change the culture or there's only one thing that happens it gets worse,
0: yeah yeah, exactly
1: and and it, and it doesn't take. Millions of dollars to do what I'm talking about. It, it takes a, a, an organized program initiative, and I, I want. I, have you heard about my program called Give Thirty?
0: Uh, I'm yes. I'm pretty sure I have.
1: Well, Google. If you're really, if you're really sincere about wanting to understand how we change this, Google Give Thirty dot net and read about this mentoring program I've began. Okay. That that I now have uh, nearly a hundred corporate people involved in trying to solve crime, uh, 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 juvenile crime, in in the metro east.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we're on the subject of crime, uh, you call for providing needed support to local law enforcement and first responders to help with crime. Uh, yeah. Do you think this will help people's fear of law enforcement?
1: Well, when I say that, that means training, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want police officers to be uh, neighborhood-friendly. Yes. Uh, I I think your best police officer is one who truly understands the neighborhoods in which they are serving. And and if there's anything that came out of the the, uh, Ferguson saga when the Michael Brown shooting took place in St. Louis Mm -hmm. was the very fact that— we did not have neighborhood-friendly police. Right. And that, and that police need to be able to communicate in their neighborhoods and understand the issues that are going on and through a uh, non-aggressive approach of, of, of uh, police aggression be able to uh, resolve uh, these kind of conflicts. So uh, my whole plan is for citizens to reinvest trust in, uh, in law enforcement and for law enforcement to develop a, a new a mentality and an ideology that uh, uh, under my administration, law enforcement will be about helping people.
0: Right. And uh, for my final question, uh, according to federal records, Illinois ranks among the top ten states for the amount of industrial air and water pollution rele- released into the environment every year. If elected, how will you work to improve these conditions?
1: Well, uh, you you know, what's going on is a shame because I don't think the administration, uh, the the past administrations, have properly adjusted our environmental control standards. Yeah. Uh, And that is, I mean, you you can, um, you know, talk a lot about what, what you're going to do, uh, but num- number one thing, environmental control regulations have got to be dealt with in this state. That yes. that are we're just way too lax on them, and that's why currently today we are where we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the second thing is, is yes, I and, and I hear other candidates talking about putting forth better uh, clean air policies and upholding the Paris Accords and. And, and, and the rhetoric that goes with that, you know, I'm very much in favor of lowering carbon emission in the state in, in any way we possibly can through technological growth and innovation. I had a great conversation last Friday with a, um, an entrepreneur that's working with a corporation called Straight Up Solar. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the revolution of, I think, what you're going to see with Straight Up Solar in the next 10 years be phenomenal mm-hmm. and and the economics that it's going to bring in in uh new products job growth and um entrepreneurships in businesses mm-hmm. uh imagine someday walking in to uh you, you know uh you sound like you're a relatively young guy <laughs> yeah. but uh you, you, you know uh you're you you're the home you buy is going to have a solar photovoltaic panel on it it's going to have a, a, a rectifier unit uh, in your uh, utility room, mm-hmm. and it's going to take that solar energy, and you're going to be uh, uh, lighting your kitchen with it. So, uh, you know, you got a rectifier, uh, fuse goes back, you're going to have to go get one and put it in for your voltaic panel. Uh, you don't have that today, do you?
0: No. <laughs> no, I <laughs> you don't. You get it?
1: But yeah. But these are the changes that you're going to see, uh, I, I say, in the next 20 years, um, and, and All those changes, like I just described—I didn't mean to get so technical in it—but that's the true answer. That's quite all right. Are are going to are going to bring about truly the answer to your question? Mm -hmm. Lower lower pollutant emissions because of the reduction of the production of energy by fossil fuel burning.